The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome to Scorebox with myself and Karen Cho here in London and Jeff Cutmore on a mountainside somewhere in Switzerland. Uh, these are your headlines. Uh, investors are waiting one of the most contentious ECB meetings in months as the central bank is expected to map out how it will pare back its emergency bond purchase program. Uh, we build up to that crucial meeting throughout this morning's show. China's factory gate inflation will prices surging to 13-year highs coming in hotter than expected on the back of elevated commodity prices. The Nasdaq retreats from record highs, joining the S&P and Dow in the red, sending Asian stocks lower, as the Fed's monthly beige book reports a downturn in the economic outlook and public amid public health concerns. And meanwhile, jobs data in the US shows supply continuing to outpace in July, with many businesses struggling to fill positions. And do not adjust your sets. You are not watching the sound of music. I am indeed on a dairy farm in Switzerland, just outside the city of Lausanne. This is one of Nestle's key suppliers. We're going to be talking here to Mark Schneider, the CEO of Nestle at 9.30 Central European time, about their new regeneration promise on agriculture and also about their net zero target for 2050. And of course, we'll sneak in a question or two about current growth rates and supply chain concerns. All that coming up later on Squawk Box. this show is we've got reporters waiting everywhere big ecb day today but i i i, I know but i've got to go back to this have a look at this you've been rolling around laughing Can for we, about the last five minutes haven't you? I, just, I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> there he is christopher Plummer, mark ii it's captain von trapp good morning yeah, very good morning, guys. Look, I never thought that my first uh, outside broadcast uh, after the lockdowns was going to involve me standing in a field of, uh, well, there will be cattle here later. They're just being milked at the moment. But I understand from the farmer, David, that he's going to bring the cows up here a little later on so that we can have a look at them. And we've, we've set up a very elaborate uh, stage here to make sure that we're socially distanced a little later on when we talk to Mark Schneider. And I guess it's just a terrific opportunity to catch up with him. They had great first half numbers in terms of sales. Although, Steve, you know, it's the same old story we've been talking about around the set. Margin pressure as a result of rising costs. And I know you like to bang on about the size of wagon wheels these days. But of course, that's one way a lot of these companies have been addressing these price increases just by shrinking the size of some of the products. So we'll have a good conversation with Mark Schneider a little later on. Uh, and for the time being, I'm just going to enjoy being out here in the Swiss countryside. You, it is absolutely fantastic. It's stunning. Will you do us a favour? Will you, will you sing the sound of music for us later on and stick your arms out and just twirl around? 
I, I may have many skills in my toolbox, but my voice is not one of them when it comes to replicating the wonderful Julie Andrews. So I, I'll leave that one to you in the studio, I think. Jeff, you're pretty handy. I think you should put yourself to work in between hits, maybe go milk the cows since we, I, I, I we're there pre-milking time. Christopher Plummer is one of the all-time most elegant actors of all time. I think we found his natural successor. Um, obviously, Captain Von Trapp. Uh, just, Jeff, we will come back to you. I've already broken the rundown just, anyway. Just... just just on Karen's point, I will not be touching those cows, Karen, because that's part of my story. They actually have a robotic milking machine here, and the, uh, the, the device actually milks the cows by itself, which is one of the big efficiencies that they've introduced here in Swiss agriculture. There you go. You can tell I'm very much on message this He's morning. So on and message. despite Steve singing, I will not be distracted. <laughs> Oh, dear. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ECB. OK, thanks, Jeff. That was brilliant. That wasn't even in the rundown. Uh, genuinely, I've just ripped up the rundown. I'm in big trouble with Mohammed in the team already. You're bringing out every Swiss oh, reference you no, can possibly think of. I love the sound of music. Yeah. I'm going to have to put it on with the kids later. Uh, it's, right. long, it's longer than Squawk, isn't it? The movie? Uh, probably about the same, actually. Yeah. yeah it's a, oh, it is the best, isn't it? It's got everything. Uh, right, the ECB will deliver its latest policy decision in a few hours with uh, two key questions set to be answered. Whether it will tweak its pandemic emergency purchase programme and whether it will raise monthly asset purchases. Raise monthly asset purchases? Is that really a question? Uh, investment banking analysts are split on the answers, with some expecting PEP to remain unchanged, whilst others are forecasting a cut from around 80 billion euros to 70 billion euros or even 65 billion euros. Now, somebody who can also knock out a beautiful tune as well is Aneta. Uh, she's standing outside the ECB headquarters in Frankfurt. So I'm going to give you the choice this morning, Aneta. You can either sing a song or tell us what's going on at the ECB. There you go. Yeah, I actually could sing a song. I was in the choir at school, but no, I, I don't whoa, do that whoa. to you, okay, can guys? You, can you so give I us a couple of bars? <laughs> a couple of bars from the sound of music? No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> so the ECB, and they don't have a song. You know, Siemens Healthineer, they have a proper corporate song, but the ECB has not yet. Perhaps that could be an additional thing for their communication. But as of now, no song from the ECB. <laughs> the ECB is expected today not to do an awful lot and also not to raise purchases, but to perhaps cut the monthly purchase rate under the PEP envelope from 80 to perhaps 60 to 70 billion euro, because there's a lot of pressure from the hawks in the governing council, given that inflation is going through the roof in the eurozone as well. Recent reading was at 3%. For Germany, it was even 3.9%. So that gives you an idea of how much pressure there is in the, inside the governing council from the likes of Bundesbank President Weidmann, but also even the French um, central bank governor, Villeroi Gallo was recently suggesting that, of course, financing conditions have, uh, be, have eased uh, from June to now. And that means that the ECB has to take away some of the stimulus they are putting into the market currently. And they, they actually really have a lot of stimulus currently, as we all know, with all these purchases under the PEP and also the APP. And then, of course, in addition, uh, the interest 
rate close to the zero bound. So um, what we're expecting is at least that this PEP uh, purchase rate will be cut today and perhaps some more hints at when they actually will reconsider how to exit the monetary policy stance and how they look into the future. Because clearly there are still uncertainties. Not everything is just brilliant here in the Eurozone. We've been talking a lot of those shortages of semiconductors, but also other components, primary products are scarce across the board. And that will be dampening economic growth, most likely um, towards the second half of the year, perhaps well into 2022. Then we have inflation, we have higher primary uh, raw material costs that will also be uh, <clears throat> uh, pressuring the margins of the corporates. And by that will have a dampening effect as well on economic growth. And of course, not to forget Delta, that could also be a major concern for the Eurozone. So they will wait until probably December, until they decide something substantial, how to exit. Steve, you have a question? Aneta, uh, it's Karen. Good morning. I just want to jump in and ask you about the market-moving <laughs> nature of the events today because we've had a lot of movement in euro dollar since the start of the year, about five odd cent range, but also the highest level that we've traded really in, in recent years. So do you think the market is now poised, hoping for a somewhat dovish ECB at this point? And do you think we could see a little bit of a gyration on the, the currency or even on yields today? Yes, there could well be some market movements today because I think the market is not quite, has not made its mind completely up whether we get a dovish surprise or whether the hawks are actually uh, gaining ground inside the governing council. In recent months, we always had an ECB rather erring on the dovish side, but that could actually also change because I guess there might be some change in the thinking of um, that inflation could actually persist at that higher level for longer, given that we are seeing so much price pressure um, building up. Um, but Philip Lane, the chief economist, who of course is the mastermind more or less behind all these programs, um, he is watching for, uh, he's looking at the labor market. And I think the moment wage growth is picking up, that's when the ECB will be really vigilant and is going to move faster into reducing the stimulus. That has not happened as of yet. There's still a lot of slack in that part of the markets, but still they're watching that very carefully because one thing what they actually also don't want is to have inflation going through the roof and then they have to act really forcefully, which then could actually really disrupt the market. So I guess this will be a very interesting topic today. And of course, um, the we get also get the inflation forecast and the growth forecast. That gives you also an idea later on um, what the ECB thinks about inflation over the medium term and what that means for monetary stimulus. And I guess we are going to see and sense a little bit of the debate of what is going to happen with the APP after PEP will expire because clearly most likely they have to make it bigger and more flexible and that will most likely be against uh, the, the opinion of the Hawks like Bundesbank President Weidmann. Back to you. Uh, that was perfect apart from the fact you didn't sing it uh, but thank you very much no indeed song. for that. No, no song. No, no. But now we know you've been <laughs> in the choir. We're going to get you one these days. You know that. Fantastic. Well done you. <laughs> Lovely. In the choir. Were you in the choir? I looked like I was in the choir. I don't know. I know you were a, you were a ballet dancer, weren't you? I was, yes. Oh, for I 10 know years. You could sing as, and dance. Sing and dance, no, that's no, a I, double act. I couldn't do either. Most people then, have one specialty. I think it's no surprise to anyone I couldn't do either. <laughs>
Uh, stay tuned later today. Uh, Neta will be sick. No, um, the decision time. That's what I meant. Yes, with Jumana Baseche. Uh, she will break down the ECB announcement and bring you analysis from a range of market guests. Plus, we'll also cross live to President Christine Lagarde's speech starting at 14.30 Central European time. Well, speaking of which, the ECB has set out a new and expansive set of climate goals this summer and intends to launch climate stress tests for the continent's financial system next year. Banks join other sectors in Europe, making the switch to more environmentally sustainable business models. Well, as you can see, Jeff joins us near Lausanne this morning in Switzerland, where Nestle has made its own pledge of net zero emissions by 2050. And Jeff, we've been talking about so many different industries as heavy polluters and having to wind back those emissions and change the way they do business. We look at the food industry, still a huge contributor to overall greenhouse gas emissions. So what are we looking at through the uh, Nestle window and the sort of transition that's taking place there? Well, well, let me make a suggestion here, because if Annette was looking for a song, I think for the ECB, I would pick Led Zeppelin's The Song Remains the Same. Because at the moment, I think there's a lot of speculation around how the ECB is going to react. But as far as I can see, there's no hurry here to shift the interest rate environment, which needs leads neatly back to the question that you actually asked me, Karen, which is uh, about the ESG story and ultimately whether things are going to remain the same or whether we are going to see corporates realistically and successfully address the pledges that they are making right now, but of course, which hove well into the distance. So Nestle, for example, has made its net zero commitment for 2050, which seems an awfully long way off at the moment. But realistically, given that uh, the agricultural sector produces something like 16% or so of global greenhouse gas emissions, it's clearly a sector that can make a massive contribution to global reduction if everybody gets on board. So I think that's the nature of the commitments that are being made by Nestle this month when it comes to regenerative agriculture, i.e. trying to produce the products that we need on the farms in a less impactful way for the environment. And that's why I'm here effectively, because this farm run by uh, David uh, Jacou has lots of new innovations that try to reduce the overall environmental impact. So it's happening at a micro level. The bigger question is whether a very large business like uh, Nestle can actually move the needle on its contributions and then encourage others in the sector to do the same thing here. So that's one of the issues that we'll be discussing with David Schneider later on, the CEO of the business who will join us here. Plus, we'll also talk about some of the challenges around uh, cost price inflation, because look back at the end of July, we just had their first half numbers and they were terrific in terms of the decade. The fastest growth on the sales line, I think, for a decade for Nestle in those first half numbers. But the margin didn't move, which tells you an awful lot about the cost pressures they're having to deal with, which is why I think Nestle will also be very interested in where the ECB is going on its growth predictions and how it feels it needs to react to the current business environment. Excellent, Jeff. Thank you very much indeed for that. And um, again, my mission today is to get everyone out in the field to sing a song. But I've failed ignominiously. Um, right, coming up on the show. It does look lovely, though, doesn't it? I mean, how often do we get him on a dairy farm? Never is the answer. Uh, coming up on the show, the outlook for the US economy sours. Does it? Does it sour? 
whilst labour markets face continued staff shortage. I will discuss this, actually. I think it's a really important conversation. Uh, and the Squawk Box podcast. Apparently, it's a cracker today. Well done, producers, yes. Everything you need to know about the upcoming ECB decision with a sound of music twist. Yes, indeed, it has. We'll be back after a short break. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Prices at China's factory gates rose to their highest level in 13 years last month. The producer price index jumped more than expected, up 9.5% on the year, fueled by stubbornly high commodity prices. Meanwhile, consumer prices, they rose 0.8%, which was less than expected and well below the government's 3% target. So, look, I wasn't... Um, I, I, th- I can see why the producers were talking about sour... Um, souring of the economy and the outlook in the States. But I, I didn't see all that in the data. U.S. businesses are facing stronger inflationary pressures. I, I saw that amid shortages of goods and workers. Now, that's according to the Federal Reserve's latest Beige Book, which says overall growth has also been slowed to a moderate place. Now, the report says price pressures at the supply level may be felt on the shop floor, with many producers hoping to pass the higher prices on to consumers. So this is very much... Uh, a supply shortage rather than a demand weakness. Demand is still stunningly strong. But let's listen to Leesman. He, he knows more about this than I do. He filed this report. The Federal Reserve said in its August Beige Book that economic growth downshifted slightly to a moderate pace in large measure because of the Delta variant. The Beige Book, which is a collection of economic anecdotes from around the Fed's 12 reserve bank districts, said there were pullbacks in restaurants, travel and tourism, including concerts and conferences, along with trouble in the retail business because of the Delta variant. In all, the Delta variant was mentioned 32 times and COVID 22 times for a total of 54 sightings. In a sign of how much things have changed, COVID was mentioned just nine times in the July Beige Book and the Delta variant, not at all. The Beige Book said there was weakness in the auto industry because of low inventories linked to supply shortages. On the plus side, employment was reported to be rising in all districts. Other comments on employment from the base book included the fact that there were labor shortages still reported to be widespread. Wages were accelerating, especially among low-income workers, but some return-to-work schedules were pushed back, again, because of Delta. Inflation was reported to be steady at an elevated pace, and the pace of price increases said to be strong in half the districts, moderate in the other half. Several districts said businesses continue to expect increases in their selling prices in the months ahead. Read that as... More inflation on the way. Steve Leisman, CNBC Business News. So absolutely fascinating on that. But also, I've been banging on about it for a long, long time now. But I always think the jolts is a great survey to look at as well. Now, the U.S. job openings, this is what I was talking to you about yesterday as well. They were already at record level. They're now up to 10.9 million in July. 10.9 million. Thanks, team, for getting that um, together. Because the 10.18 from June, you can see on the screen there, was already a record. 
job openings rate is now 6.9%. The hires is 6.7. The quits. Now, people only quit if they feel economically secure. You don't quit if you think, oh, I'm not going to get another job, or if you think I've got problems financially. You quit if you think, A, you don't need the job, or B, you can get another job. And, and I think these were absolutely staggering statistics. And just, I'll add one more in that wasn't in there as well. And this is courtesy of the uh, Carl Weinberg's HFE team. So the all-time high now is 10.934 million jobs, yeah? The unemployment rate is 8.7 million jobs in July. So it's significantly over more than one opening per unemployed individual as well. Now, that says to me about structural issues caused by COVID, mm. caused by the state of the US labor market, rather than the fact that the jobs aren't out there. Can I just test the theory around the motivation of the quits this time around? Typically, it used to be that you could get another job, but this time around, is it something different? People are still concerned about COVID. If uh, Even if they are vaccinated, they might still have concerns. So they don't necessarily want to be in a work environment where they have to be interacting with people and potentially also without a mask. And maybe uh, not for a traditionally lower salary right. in the and hospitality, Then, of course, there's the... Uh, childcare considerations. If schools are back, that's great. But then also finding wraparound care, that's an issue. And there's more interactions if you are concerned about COVID. Well, loads of kids are being sent home. Right, and then there's a hiatus because of the isolation. I think you're, I I don't even think it's testing. I think it's 100% right, Karen. Mm. Um, Healthcare concerns, childcare concerns, and the fact that there is still government benefits, which have either, they're slowing but in many cases are still there. And people think, do you know what, I can survive, I don't necessarily, maybe I'm having a lifestyle change, maybe I need to think about my retirement. Maybe we can put in as a fourth element, actually people are getting re-educated because some of these other jobs require different skill sets. So right. there's a lot going on, but it just seems to me that this is a supply side shortage again. Now, whether it's transitory or not remains to be seen, but that needs to be interpreted when the Fed and everyone else is looking at this labour market in the States. Yeah, it does pose a question, though, whether that big demand side, the demand that employers have to fill jobs, whether they, those positions get filled. Because typically, if you've got the quit quits rate high, you're going to see those jobs going back into the system as people find another job. But do we have a problem here? Because people may not want to go back into the system. And even though they're quitting at a fairly strong level, are you actually going to see the, the job openings come down as those positions are fulfilled? And I think that's a big question mark overhanging this labour market. Yeah. What comes next because of still these pandemic trends? Um, we're going to get PPI on Friday as well, tomorrow as well. So that will be absolutely fascinating. The, the headline inflation producer price index is seen somewhere in the region of 8% again. It was 78 last time. We are talking. So again, I think the beige book, the jolts, and, and put to a certain extent that the non-farm payer on Friday is all saying very similar story that yes, um, there are a large amount of US employees who, well, unemployed, who should be employed, who we want to get employed. I mean, but there, there, there are great structural reasons why they're not going into the economy at the moment. Yeah, I just want to segue to the markets because I yeah. think a lot of investors are picking up on, uh, I just walked in front of your camera for the first time in about eight years, I think. I don't think I've done that before. <laughs> but let's take a look at what happened because I'm pretty sure the narrative now for investors is that we've had some of this cooling off in activity in the month of August. They're concerned about what that means and they're still digesting all this data. And as a result, you just got this tilt south, uh, this negative tone on the markets as a result. So we're pulling away for some of the record levels on the Dow, the S&P, and also the Nasdaq joining in. Don't forget there's been a bit of support for tech stocks in recent sessions, but also just giving up record territory and pulling back by uh, over half of a percent or 87 points at this stage. Uh, Treasuries, a quick look at what's playing out on that yield, 1.32%. We're not moving aggressively in either direction at this stage. Uh, very stable at this handle. The Asian markets, choppy old trade, 
we've witnessed there too, picking up on some of those uh, thought processes from Wall Street about what's happening with the pace of growth now on the back of the Delta variant. The Hong Kong market, that is down. And don't forget other factors at play here as we talk about the tech regulation that's impacting the Hong Kong market again today. 1.8%, finally a downbeat session for Tokyo stocks that have been on a, a tear to the upside on uh, political hopes of fresh fiscal spending. Uh, six tens down today. So just pulling back from that 30,000 point level that it claimed fairly quickly in uh, the recent trading pattern. Well, shares in NetEase and Tencent are trading in the red in Hong Kong. Uh, mid reports, they were among the video game firms summoned to a meeting with Chinese regulators. Our colleague Emily Tan has this story. Chinese authorities called in executives from Tencent and NetEase. The meeting with game publishers and video game live streaming platforms was held with various government departments to make sure that all parties are complying with new gaming rules for minors. The gaming companies were told to implement the measures and protect the physical and mental health of youths or face severe punishment if found inadequately following the rules. Those under 18 are restricted to only three hours of games per week, and they can only play from 8 to 9 o'clock in the evening on Friday, Saturday, and Sundays, and on public holidays. Shares of Tencent, the world's largest gaming company and controls 40% of the gaming market in China, according to the State Administration of Market Regulation, is down more than 5%. NetEase, which says less than 1% of its revenues comes from miners, trading off more than 6.5%. I'm Emily Tan in Hong Kong. Back to you. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.